Hey, hey, local legends. Welcome to the Why We Run podcast, hosted by me, John Barnes. Today's tale from the pack comes from Charlie de Gaulle, an avid sportsman and football coach who has battled his way back from cancer by pushing his limits to raise money for charity and motivate others to make the most of life. This is his reason. My name is Charlie DeGale. I'm 58 years of age and I work as a physical trainer with the Metropolitan Police. My journey with running, so where, where do I begin? I had quite a tricky upbringing. I was able to concentrate at school. In secondary school, there was, a, I remember a teacher sort of saw something in me to help boost my confidence and that was through sport. I remember being pretty good at football, so I mainly captain of the football team and we had a really good rugby team. I thought, you know what? This rugby team's winning everything. I need to be part of that team. I ended up joining a club called Hammersmith from Fulham. I was loving my rugby at the time. I then transferred clubs from Hammersmith from Fulham to Wasps. So I was really enjoying my rugby. But I got one or two injuries. And from that, I went back to football. With sport, I'd always wanted to try and play at a high level. So my football journey, I ended up playing for semi-pro level for Epsom and Yule. And I ended up with a really bad leg injury. So I couldn't go back to playing at that level. So after recovering from that injury, I then set up a team to stay in touch with my friends. So when I moved on to work with the Met, I didn't want to lose contact with my mates. I loved playing with them. We had really good fun. And I played till about my late 40s. So right, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try a new sport and I had to turn to running. Now, with every sport that I've ever done, I've always wanted to be the best I could be. So I remember joining a club called the Serpentine, Serpentine in, who trained in Hyde Park. And my ambition around that time in my mid to late 40s was to get a sub 20 for 5K and a sub 40 for 10K. And I trained really hard and I managed to achieve both goals and I managed to run the marathon as well. I did that in three hours, 10 so, yeah, I was really enjoying my running, the freedom of running and just achieving really good times, you know, for me anyway. Now it's approaching my 50th birthday. At, around this time, I threw myself into coaching. So I thought, right, for my 50th, I want to be able to celebrate in a big way. So I went to America and I coached in Baltimore, Philadelphia, and I absolutely loved it. I liked the time of my life. So I came back totally inspired. And I thought, right, you know what? I'm going to set up my own business and I'm going to start my coaching degree with the end goal of coaching at a high level. It was amazing. I got my own venue and everything. But when I came back from America, I felt this really bad pain in my hip. It just wouldn't go away. Got to the doctor. He sent me for an x-ray and turns out that I needed a hip replacement. I thought, great, okay. No problem with that. The sooner we could get it done, the better. I was fast-tracked through, so I had a date and everything set. But before the operation, you had to have, you know, the pre-op checks, like everyone does before an operation. But my bloods came back all abnormal. I was very high in testosterone. They couldn't operate until they found out what was the cause of these high blood levels. So they kept investigating. By this time now, I started to get quite a deep cough and I couldn't get rid of it. I started to get a little bit worried. But the alarm bell started to ring. Thinking, no, wait, you know... I wonder if it, I've got cancer. I wonder if it's that. But it was in the back of my mind. I didn't think anything of it. But at this stage, my hip was, it was unbearable. I said, look, I need this operation done now. It's impacting on my job. It's impacting on my well-being. Please, can we get it done? The doctors were saying, look, if we were to put you on the operating table now with the levels of your testosterone, you may not wake up. 
I get what you're saying, but if you do one more test and if there's anything that you can do, can we get it done? They've said yes. So they did one more test, a full body CT scan, and it was that scan that found what I feared. They found it behind my breastbone. That's where it was hiding. I think because it was in the back of my mind, it didn't really come as that much of a shock. They did two boxes. The first one came back negative. The second one went a lot deeper into the tumour, and that's what confirmed it was cancer. Couldn't believe it. At the time, I accepted that's what it was, and the date was set for the treatment. So I was all ready for that. Mindset was ready. I thought, right, let's crack on with it. Let's get this treatment done, and I could get back to normal. But then I was at work. I'll never forget it. It was a Friday, and I got the call to say that the cancer was spreading, and that was it. That was the start of this horrific journey of chemo. I had to ask him the question. I said, look, what are my chances? He said, look, the next 24 hours are crucial. I didn't in a million years think it would get to that point. And the first thing that people would say to me would be that you're fit. You know, how could you get cancer? But cancer don't discriminate. I was just one of the unlucky ones. I said, right, okay, next 24 hours is crucial because chemo doesn't agree with everyone. The type of cancer that I had, it was quite aggressive. So the treatment had to be aggressive. It would have had to be constant chemo, relentless chemo for the next two or three months. It was horrific. Yeah, what can I say? i got no hair anyway. And I've got a funny story behind that because my dad, he sadly passed away at the start of the pandemic. He was suffering with kidney failure. And he managed to come and see me on a couple of occasions in the hospital. And, I, and before I went into a hospital, I was pretty much clean shaven. But obviously, you know, with the chemo and everything else, you're just so tired, you can't be bothered to shave or do anything. So I started to grow this beard. My dad came up. And at this stage, he was in quite a bad state. But first thing he said to me when he saw me was, when are you going to shave? I said, Dad, I'm in hospital. <laughs> you know, I'm being pumped with this. When I, listen, Dad, when I get a chance and I'll get some leave from chemo treatment, I'll go to the barber's. So I think about a week after, and I was well into the chemo by now, I was washing my face and all of a sudden all these hairs started to fall out and it was my beard. <laughs> so yeah, I went through, you know, about three or four months of treatment. And thankfully the treatment shrunk the tumours small enough for them to operate. So Valentine's Day 2017, had the operation, equivalent to having open heart surgery. Thankfully, they managed to get all the tumours and then it was the road to recovery. I got the all clear at the end of February. And I said, look, can I have my hip operation then? And they said, yeah, you could go ahead with that. So I had my hip operation in August. Now, while I'm in hospital now, I'm thinking, you know what? I need a focus. So I thought, right, I'm going to run the marathon. The doctor at the time said, you can run short distances, but anything up to a marathon, you know, you're, you're nuts. I've set my heart on running for this charity, Children with Cancer UK. I'm going to raise as much money as I can for them. And 2018 is my focus. I want to run that marathon. So after Christmas now, 2018, January, I was able to take my first running steps on the treadmill. And blimey, I would never forget that. I couldn't even run 10 minutes, but I was running. I couldn't believe it and didn't feel too bad. So 10 minutes turned into 20, 20 turned into 30. It's amazing what the body can, how the body responds. If you're able to push it that little bit, it's amazing how it can react. And that inspired me. 
obviously started to build up my mileage and I thought, right, I'm going to be able to do this. Now, I don't know whether you remember 2018 London Marathon, but it was the hottest marathon ever recorded. That day was hot. But honestly, I'll never forget it. I stood on that start line with my children Cancer UK vest. I pulled my eyes out. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm here. I can't believe it. And it was probably one of the best days of my life. And since that day, to be honest, I've not looked back since. You know, when I say to people, I've got my cancer, my, my lungs slightly damaged and I've got a metal hip, but I've run an ultra. I've done London duathlon. You know, I've proved people wrong. I'm running a marathon again, my fifth marathon in a row. I love London to pieces. And that's what my cancer experience has done for me because it's, it's just made me see things in a different light and things that I wouldn't have thought of before. I'm appreciating those things now, those little things. Charlie, what a journey. Thank you so much for, uh, oh, no, for going no. through it. So, Charlie, when I hear your story, the last word that I associate with you is victim. You've attacked pretty much everything that you've, you've had in life. And I remember you told me in your story in treatment, you had reworded LL Cool J's mama's going to knock you out and you had three key elements within. Yeah, yeah, Do you want yeah. to explain that to the listeners? So I remember I, I, I put these three ways in which I was going to attack cancer and what I was going through. And I, I remember I said chemo first, Coach Chucky next, and then God. But then I would have this lay preacher. He was a police community support officer who would come into the gym and he heard what I was going through. So he came to visit me and we were talking and I said, look, you know, I was keeping this diary and there was and I gave him the list of three. And he said, look, it's great what you've got there, that list of three. But do you know what? I would change the order. I said, why would you change that? I said, look, you're praying and you're asking for strength and courage. So who should come first in that? I said, well, God. He said, right, okay, so God comes first. So what next? What is helping you to get rid of this disease that's inside you? What's helping you to get rid of that? Chemo. And then next, right then, you, Coach Chucky. So I was listening to the LL Cool J, you know, he's, I'm going to knock you out. And yeah, that song kind of inspired me. So I said, look, I'm going to reword this. So I reworded it to, yeah, God is going to knock you out. Chemo's got to knock you out. And Coach Chucky. It's going to knock you out, being Coach Chucky, being the football coach. Yeah. I can just imagine now talking to you, you actually sitting there on a hospital bed, knocked out from a day of chemo, no energy left, but still saying those words with complete conviction. That attitude of attacking is, do you think that's one of the key attributes that got you through that? As well as, I mean, you had tough times after cancer when, people going to expect you just to go back to normal. And oh, it's not like that, right? No, so true. It was funny because going through the cancer treatment, I knew what to expect. So I was proper prepared for that, but I wasn't prepared for the repercussions afterwards. And obviously thinking back of that experience and stuff, it, it does make me emotional. I built up friendships while going through chemo with others going through the same treatment. And unfortunately, two or three of those are not here today. That in itself was tough to take. Going back to work, everyone expected me to be back to normal. That was difficult. Not feeling the same. What I mean by that is it was that question, why me? What did I kind of do to deserve that? This is the cancer that could potentially return. 
that's always in the back of my mind. The scars on my chest, the scars on my body, the reminders are always there. Is running one of the only things where you could be truly mindful of what's around you? You're not focused on, is this cancer going to come back? Is anything else happening in my life? You can just focus on, oh, what lovely you know, scenery. What a beautiful yeah. sunset. You know, those sort of things that just allow you yeah. to remove yourself from it's the other little, you think, Look, the little things that count now. So many things that you take for granted. So many things. It's true when people say, when they go through a life-death experience, that the little things that count. What comes across as well in your story, Charlie? I mean, it's, it's your profession as well, your purpose to help others, right? How did this change when you went through the cancer diagnosis and the treatment? You had to actually focus on yourself being number one. We call running quite a selfish sport, right? You go out on your own and you're focused yeah. on yourself. It's time to yourself. Mm. Do you feel that's helped you get a balance where you can focus on what you need to focus on as well as helping others? Yeah, definitely. I think pre-cancer, I just threw myself into all sorts of stuff. My coaching at the time took up a lot of time. I was focusing on getting that up and running. Every coaching job that I was offered, I would take it. I remember when I came back from America, they had an award ceremony at Fulham and I won Community Coach of the Year. And that inspired me. I just threw myself into it. I was just living life 100 miles an hour. And then when the cancer hit, that grinded to a halt. And again, while going through treatment, it gave me time to think. God has given you this illness to give you a wake-up call. I truly believe that. Running, yes, it's selfish in terms of the fact that it gives me time to be on my own, in my own time, in my own space, just to run and be free. But at the same time, I'm able to share my experiences through running with others. So for me, I've got the best of both worlds, and that's what it's given me. Yeah, it's a great point. It's something that Sarah and I were talking about on the second episode, where running is selfish in that you get to go out and you know, have that time to yourself. But it's in having that time to yourself that you think of ideas and experiences that then help others. She thought of her lads to John O'Groat Challenge while she was out running. Yeah, um, yeah. I imagine if we go back and we think of where you got the idea for the Goggins 4x448 challenge, I bet that was during a run or during something where you had time to yourself, where you thought, oh, let's go and do now, that. I do believe that I've been given a little bit of a gift. I can somehow just keep going, keep running when most will probably stop. During lockdown, I'd applied for London. Obviously, London was suspended and they said, right, organise your own marathon on the day the marathon was meant to take place. And that year, I was meant to run in the bell costume for the charity Children with Cancer UK. Chose my venue. I'm going to do loops around the Battersea Park in the bell costume. And I went training out in the bell costume. The response was amazing. I actually got a friend of mine, Mick. He made his own bell costume to support me. Now, the day of that marathon, it was chucking it down with rain. Absolutely chucking it down. So I went around doing the loops around the park absolutely amazing there were people out clapping and cheering and there were other runners who thought the same idea but obviously with the rain the costume got heavier and heavier and heavier like the way a ton but I kept going it was the most incredible experience and when I finished I couldn't believe that I'd actually run a marathon in that costume that way the ton and after contemplating what I did 
I thought, if I could run a marathon in a bell costume, weighing that much, what else can I do? How much further can I take it? And that was the starting point of thinking about these crazy long distance ultra challenges. And it's just gone on from there. So yeah, wearing that bell costume on that day was a turning point for me. <laughs> this is this is absolutely what I love about talking to people like yourself, Charlie. And this is why I want to jump on straight away is people just think doing an ultra, doing a marathon in the bell costume. I did a marathon in a Mr. Motivator bodysuit. Ah, that ended up doing exactly the same thing, weighing three times the amount it did. Yeah, 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 yeah. But people think these, are, these things are completely outside of their abilities. Now, you started off after chemo, right, on the treadmill for 10 minutes. Yeah. But it was like happiest 10 minutes ever. You're back, you're yeah, running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What advice would you give to these people that want to make that first step but just are reluctant and just don't believe that they could achieve that themselves? No, no. The best advice that I can give is what I've seen and what I've seen with my run group. I've got youngsters, 14, 15, bags of energy. They can run forever. And I've got a cancer patient in my run group, Godfrey, he's come down on two or three occasions just to get out and move. Such an awe-inspiring young man, but he is able to get out and get moving. Do what you feel that you can do safely, but you are moving. You are working your heart and lungs. And just by doing that little bit, you're able to do a little bit more and a little bit more from that. I encourage and motivate them as much as I can to do what they can within their capabilities. We weren't born to be sedentary. That's why we've got joints, we've got muscles, we've got ligaments. They're designed to be mobilized. We weren't born to be sitting down 24 seven, but unfortunately society has becoming like that, okay? So that's why I do these run groups, just to get up and get people moving. And just by moving a little bit, it could be endless what you can achieve. God, Charlie, just listening to you, I'm sort of bouncing in my seat. It's lucky I'm in my taper week or I'd go out and do some 20-mile run or something <laughs> after talking to you. I've got to have a one more question. I want to just touch on something. I know you've spoken to experiences when you were recovering from cancer, being a black cancer patient. Yeah, um, yeah. And you've said it in your statement at the beginning, cancer does not discriminate. Now, yeah. with regards to running, it's one of the things that's annoyed me. The, the few, like the, the events that I've done, there's not a great diversity in running. Nah. It's kind of like nah. middle-aged white men, which I am one. Yeah. Um, a lot of them at the start of life. What would you like to say, or is there anything you'd like to say that would motivate more, you know, more people to get out there, give it a go, and and join? Uh, yeah, people of people of colour. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's funny because yeah, I've been to races where. I'm probably the only person of colour there. You do get the odd look. I ain't going to lie. You know, uh, it's like, should I really be here or whatever? I, I don't know. I'm probably maybe overthinking it. At the time, I know why I'm there, because I want to be there. I want to experience what everyone else is experiencing. It is what it is. And there are organisations like Black Trail Runners, you know, they're quite massive now. And there are lots of diverse run groups out there just to inspire people of colour to get out and run at these events that take place in central London and, you know, the big running events, you know, the summer 10Ks and the spring marathons. There's lots of groups out there, you know, trying to inspire people of colour to get out and run. And it's great to see. 
I want to be part of that. And certainly with what I do with the post that I put up on Instagram, you know, my run group, I want to be tr- able to try and get people living in London to experience the beauty of running out, you know, in countryside and being at one with nature. I want to be able to in- inspire that and being part of groups like the Black Trial Runners, the Run Them crew, the Emancipated Run crew. I've, I've made a great contacts through, you know, there's a, a wonderful couple, Black Couples Run, and it's a black couple called Ray and the Rain. And they're a lovely couple, and they get out and they run all these lovely, great events together. And then they post experiences on Instagram, and they've got a massive following just by, you know, yeah, black couples do run. <laughs> It is, it is brilliant. And there's the Black Girls Run, and they're doing amazing stuff at the moment. But, you know, there's all these different diverse groups out there that are doing great things. But that is just normal running. I want to see more people of colour out on the trails. And, that, and that's why I'm becoming a run leader. I would have those qualifications. I'd be able to set up these groups. And then I could start to preach and to educate and to motivate and inspire to get people out and running the trails and running the trails and experiencing the trails a lot more you've got to be in it to make a difference and that's what I'm trying to do I love that and I'll do everything on my side to promote we'll we'll add some links to the different groups that are out there oh Um, yeah brilliant and some of the people you talked about I'd love to have them as future guests so we'll we'll link up on some of those but I I think it's it's one of the most fun things I found of ultras is that you just meet people that you would never meet in normal life and I want there to be as much diversity on that side line as possible just so I could talk to people that you know you you might not come across in normal life you, you're from different areas that's the magic of like the marathon de sable you have all these people from different nationalities different oh, motivations yeah. going out there doing it that's what it's about for me yeah yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, fun yeah. Part. but anyway Jay, I feel that we could talk all day Lydia, it's been so much fun talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Before I let you go, I've just got some quick fire questions. I think I know the answers to some of them, but we'll go for it. All right. It. <laughs> okay. So, I can't wait for this. <laughs> so, trail or road? Trail. Wind or rain? Rain. Hot or cold? Hot. Up or downhill? Up. Music or nature? Nature. Group or solo? Oh, that's this a is tough always one. an interesting one with people. I, you know, um, you, you have a run group, Charlie. Solo, but I've, 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 honestly, I, d- I did um as part of my run coaches, and this this would be interesting. As part of my run coaches, I had to arrange for another run coach to watch me coach, and the only coach that stepped forward was one from East London. Her name was Deanie, and she was part of a run group called East End Runners. So I had to travel from my work to East End Runners to coach. And I went there and I've not done a track session since school, but I took this run group and I I honestly, I thought there was going to be about five, maybe 10. It turned out there was about 20, 30 runners. I had to take them for the first part of the session, but I loved it. I just threw myself in and 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 it was like, wow, it was brilliant. But then obviously seeing them run and run as a group and what have you and the interaction and, and what have you was brilliant. So after finishing the session now, I said, look, would it be possible to join? I mean, I know I, I live in South London, but I know that you're East, but it's quite easy for me to get to you from work. I don't mind. I'd love to come up and join. She said, yeah, we welcome everybody. 
do you know what? I'm now a member of that group. I go there after work every Tuesday and I do a track session. I'm starting to sway a little bit now towards it. But yeah, I do love my solo, but then running as a group and meeting and chatting to others and hearing why they love to run and, and whatever and sharing that, you can't beat it. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with saying both on that answer. And then finally, when you're finished, are you a cake or sweets man or something else completely? No, I'm either. Well, if you're asking me between sweets and cake, more cake. Charlie, thank you so much. It's been an absolute privilege talking to you. And local legends, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like or follow on whatever platform you listen to. We'll be back next week with another inspiring tale from the pack. Happy trails all.